And he said murder case, the way I see it, it's a banner headline, front page, maybe my picture. There's only one P in rapist. Lois Lane, say hello to Clark Kent. Told you one P. Hi, uh, Lane. How are you doing? Jimmy Olsen, photographer. Oh, hi. Clark Kent, nice to meet you. Yeah. It's got everything. It's got sex, it's got violence, it's got the ethnic angle. I mean, look Yeah, at so that. is a lady wrestler with a foreign accent. Ken, can you open this? Oh, sure, Mr. White. But this could be the basis for a whole series of articles. Making sense of senseless killing by Lois Lane. I mean, we get psychologists, we get psychologists, we get... Lois, Lois you're pushing victims, a bunch of rinky-dink tabloid garbage. The Daily Planet has a position. I'm, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Oh, gosh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to shake it up like that. Oh, well, of course not, Lois. I mean, why would anyone want to make a total stranger look like a fool? I'll take that. Oh, thank you. I'm sorry, Mr. White. Olson, why am I paying you $40 a week when I should have you arrested for loitering? Go get Mr. Kent. No, a towel. Move, kid, move. Yeah, right, Chief. And make mine black and no sugar. Right, Chief. And don't call me sugar. Blood is from Right, Chief. Sugar. Sugar. Chief wants coffee, no sugar. Take the tea with lemon. Uh, Lois, why don't you take Kent out to uh, meet everybody, huh? Sure. Just introduce him around. Yeah. We're starting with the paper today. I'm giving him the city beat. Chief, that's my beat. Lois, Clark Kent may seem like just a mild-mannered reporter, but listen, not only does he know how to treat his editor-in-chief with the proper respect, not only does he have a snappy, punchy prose style, but he is, in my 40 years in this business, the fastest typist I've ever seen. Excuse me, sir. Here, you got my article. Oh, um, excuse me, Mr. White. I was wondering if, if um, perhaps you could arrange for half my salary to be, to be sent to this address on a weekly basis. You're bookie, right? A what? Don't tell me. He sends a check every week to his sweet gray-haired old mother. Actually, she's silver-haired. Uh, I'll see what I can do. Uh, th thank you very much, Miss Wright. Excuse me. Well. Any more at home like you? Uh, not really, no. Party now, I don't remember where I'm from. I think I had a black wallet in my back pocket with a bus ticket and a picture of my baby inside. And if I make it home alive, I'm gonna get my shit everybody and welcome to the Nightfly podcast with me Dave Juskow. How is everybody today coming along on the uh, almost April 1st? Reason I'm, oh, I don't want to start off on a sad note, but uh, it was uh, be a year ago that we lost this brilliant brilliant musician named Adam Schlesinger playing a little Fountains of Wayne. And now unfortunately we have to live our lives knowing that uh, we will never see the likes of such a remarkable human being ever again because he's dead and he's never coming back I, I like to really open it up bleak who writes a song called Bright Future in Sales that's fucking awesome 
bright future in sales. I mean, this guy really got it. Put a picture of my baby in my pocket. He knows what he's doing when he's writing that. He's like, this is a stupid line, but it fits our song. Oh, this guy was the coolest. You already know about that already, though. But yeah, it's been a year. It's been a goddamn year. And COVID, that fucking stupid COVID, which, you know, I also secretly love, took our friend from us. Our friend, our friend of the Nightfly podcast. I mean, a goddamn miracle. You can have a guy like this on the show and, and, and be a friend and hang out with him on, on New Year's and stuff like that. And, and then uh, it all disappears. And just him. I mean, I don't know. I don't have any other friends that died of COVID. Certainly 2020 was a lot of deaths for me. I I mean, but not COVID related, ironically. Or were they? Who knows? Perhaps COVID sort of spurned some sort of uh, thing where people were a little bit more careless or something like that. Who knows? We're uh, coming up on that girl Trisha's birthday, which is April 15th. I, you know, as you know, I've been talking to her parents. I'm like, what, you know, what do you want to do? And my friend Vic Henley's uh, anniversary, who died a year ago, already passed. That was, I mean, recent, like, you know, about a week ago. I mean, everybody fucking died. That was awesome. All good people. I'm trying to think if I heard of any dicks that died. Can't think of anybody. There's a lot of times that somebody will die, I'll be like, good riddance. You know, like Hitler or Himmler. You know, those guys. And why can't... Um, you know, some of those comics I really hated from the 80s. I, <laughs> they, must be, they must be, you know, sooner or later. They, 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 they got to go. There's one in particular I was hoping he was dead, and then I saw his name somewhere, and I'm like, ugh, that guy probably has AIDS and shit. I mean, he should be, really be dead. Oh, I have no issues with that. There's plenty of people I would be like, good, thank God. But no, as Billy Joel says, our friend Billy Joel <laughs> says, only the good die young. He's completely correct. It's, well, I, I mean, I don't know why I'm starting with this. Or I'm starting or whatever. Here we are. Here we are. Welcome to the show, everybody. <laughs> the uh, last Tuesday in March edition. When my guest tonight will be musician Leslie Mendelssohn. I think we might have played one of her songs once on the podcast. She's a terrific woman. I was going to say girl. I don't to say that anymore. But uh, she's a terrific person and a great musician. I just saw a goddamn duet she did as if, uh, you know, Colin Smith doing his duets with uh, Christina Aguilera aren't good enough. I just saw there's a video of her on YouTube. You can look it up. Her and Jackson Brown doing a a, uh, duet together. You believe that? Her and Jackson Brown. If the video wasn't so... Horrible to look at because it's about age. I would have watched the whole thing, but the song is good. But it's her and Jackson Brown just sitting at the piano singing. Well, I guess she's made it, and she's going to be on the podcast and perform. I'm sorry, on the uh, Comedy Cellar Nightly Show tonight and perform. It was a big to-do last week when I had Tom Shalhoub finally on and Jamie LaBella, which uh, everybody seemed to really enjoy that show. And, you know, why not sure they have a, or he has a couple of different views, you know, but isn't that what what you want to have on the show? People who have opposing opinions and uh, things to just to, to, to make a little different. I, I don't understand these comics uh, who just always want to kind of talk about the same thing all the time. You know, the one, the one Woody Allen, you know, the HBO documentary, one-sided view. Well, here's Mia's story. In fact, I was watching Bill Maher last night and he said, and, and it's pretty uncool to even say because they're both on hbo so he doesn't want to say anything 
But he says, here's what I take umbrage with with the documentary. Uh, I'm just saying, no matter what my side is, it says Alan V. Farrow, and it's a misleading title because there's no Alan side of the story. And it's not a lawsuit, and it's not anything that has to do with a court case, and there's no other side of the story. There's one person's side of the story, and now everybody's like, I never knew this, I never knew this. It's just kind of horrible. I guess I guess we'll just dive in uh, in the sense that this particular, this past two days ago, I actually saw the new Woody Allen film called Rifkin's Festival. Now, it's pretty awful, and I don't think you'll be able to see it anytime soon. I, you know, I have... Uh, ways which i'm sure you can figure out if you try hard enough and you know uh, you know he's not in it or anything so you don't cringe or anything but um yeah it's just a a matter of it i i know you know a lot of people are just so down on him because but but how do you make a documentary that's only completely one-sided and everybody's like no but her side is the right side you see how creepy he is how is that fair how is that a thing I mean, I've always been like, let me hear the other side. I mean, that's the kind of person I am. If I know it doesn't fit my personality because I love ganging up on somebody. But when somebody tells me like a Sarah Silverman or my brother-in-law and they tell me stuff I didn't know, I say, that's interesting. I didn't think of it that way. I am rather ironically, I have to say ironically because it doesn't fit my personality, open-minded to suggestion. And it's just not fair. I mean, maybe he is this way or whatever. I'm not watching that documentary. There's no way I'm watching it. And HBO stretching it out into four episodes. Very smart because then people are talking about it. If it was only one episode, people will forget about it. So it's very smart. And I don't know how they – I don't know how you can put out a documentary about that and not have the other side. It just, it just doesn't seem very fair. But I guess that happened with Michael Jackson as well. And I and what did I do? Totally bought into it. You know, a four-hour documentary, just like Alan V. Farrow, with those two boys explaining th- what Michael Jackson did to them. The thing about Michael Jackson is, though, well, that's all true. <laughs> like, I mean, we all know. I, I, there's something that we all know that's true. There's no varying points to that one that anybody's come out and said, that boy's lying. With Woody Allen, uh, there's the son that said he was there when apparently this happened and said it didn't happen. I just feel like there's a different. And the weird part is these are two of my heroes. Michael Jackson was absolutely my hero. I loved his music. I absolutely thought he was a genius with all his quirkiness. And obviously, you know how I feel about Woody Allen and anybody my age or or that's in comedy, Jesus Christ. I mean, who doesn't love Woody Allen? You know, if you don't like Woody Allen, you're probably not going to like this podcast. I mean, what do we talk about? We talk about idiosyncrasies and craziness and relationships because Woody Allen's the greatest. And what do we do? We play clips from Annie Hall and Manhattan Murder Mysteries and Crimes and Misdemeanors and Hannah and Her Sisters. I can do the entire Jesus Christ, I mean, in college, I I was just doing the entire monologue of Annie Hall. That's how I would talk to people and try and not get out of my shyness by just doing the opening monologue. There's there's no joke. 
two elderly women at a Catskill Mountain Resort. One says to the other, boy, the food is really awful. And the other one says, I know it's small portions. That's essentially how I feel about life. I remember there's a, a scene in Legally Blonde where they're sitting on the ground and going over themselves, and that guy goes in. And it is said that Stephen Hawkins took his um, something of the universe from my fourth grade paper. You know, it's everybody going around telling what they're all about. I did that. I did the opening monologue from Annie Hall, and everybody just sat there looking at me because I didn't know what to say. I wasn't a normal person. And they just uh, did that thing where they uh, go over your, like, ooh, that went over our head. Uh, they were very uh, cruel. Uh, but uh, ugh, I would never want to be that young again, ever. I think, you know, if I could go back and, and do it all over again, I, I think I'd rather be 35. I swear to God. Wasn't that what Superman was when the, at the end when he, uh, I, I always try to figure it out when he, when he's, when his father's saying, it's been 12 years since, I always thought he was about 34, 35. I'm like, that's a little old to be flying around like that. So we played the Superman thing up front because, I saw the, uh, oh, right, we haven't talked about the Woody Allen movie. Well, let me just, <laughs> I got some little all over the place today. I'm having a good day. It's Saturday morning. It's beautiful outside. Absolutely beautiful. Been a beautiful couple of days here in New York City. Uh, I just, let me just go one thing to the other. It was Rifkin's Festival, it's called. So I watched it, and as you know, as we've talked about, because Louis C.K. told us that he communicated with Woody Allen, and Woody Allen told us, that he had to use, the only person left to use that's not in any kind of scandal is Wallace Shawn as the leading man. Well, Wallace Shawn does not work as a leading man, unfortunately. Now, nobody doesn't like Wallace Shawn, but unfortunately, Wallace Shawn is a character actor and is only good for supporting roles. He is not a leading man, so it doesn't work. Uh, The movie doesn't work in that sense at all. It's rather, I don't want to say repulsive, but well, you'll never see, so I don't even know what to tell you. But well, here I, I'll, I'll give you a little clip. I, I I have a clip of the the trailer. It just sounds like every other. In fact, the trailer it sounds a lot more interesting than it is, but it's it's not very good. Oh, I actually don't know where to begin. I had to accompany my wife to the San Sebastian Film Festival. She did the press for them. Yesterday, oh my God, I love his look. He is so chic. I only went because I couldn't shake the suspicion that she had a little crush on this movie director. <laughs> well, we put in quite a day today, huh? You did. You were unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say I wasn't a little uncomfortable about Sue spending all day with Philippe. I ran into Sue this morning. At first, I thought I was interrupting something until I realized it was your wife. <laughs> Since coming here, my mind started playing tricks on me. <laughs> I'm beginning to question everything, what I want, who I am, who in the world am I? Philippe happens to be a fabulous bongo player. Isn't that exciting, Ward? Not since Neil Armstrong walked onto the moon. Are you under any stress? My marriage has been fraying. Can I be frank? My marriage is causing me pain. Sorry about this. Sorry. Who are you? Just a friend. With Philippe, I just felt like a woman again, full of passion and lust. I think we should lay all of our cards on the table. How many cards do you have? What's it all about? Is this everything that there is, or is there more? The answers are not always what you want to hear. 
My shrink says I'm attracted to women who will hurt me. Have you been sleeping with Philippe? Never. Except once. Well, twice. It's been a very enlightening experience. I've had a chance to look at my life over the last few weeks, and I realize I've made a lot of bad decisions. So, do you have anything to say to me after everything that I've told you? It's, um, trailer is more interesting than the movie, because by the trailer you would think, well, that sounds like fun. It's not. Gina Gershon is his wife, and he talks too slow, Wallace Shawn, but then so does Woody Allen. You just, get out the sentence already. So that's annoying, but he's old. You know, what are you going to do? And uh, they gave away the total ending. Like, yeah, his wife's been sleeping around, as it turns out. I don't know why you'd give away the goddamn ending in the trailer. That was supposed to be the mystery, <laughs> I guess. And they say it's a mystery. Well, the mystery is his wife was sleeping around. Well, he, you know, it wasn't just speculation. They gave it away in the trailer. I'm not giving it away. They gave away the trailer. And we knew it anyway. It's a Woody Allen movie. But here's the problem with it, and there's lots of problems with it. I mean, it looks okay and everything. It's directed fine. It's not like the other one, which is very clearly lazily directed, as my friend Lawrence would put it. Lawrence Lerman from uh, Variety Magazine. It, he pull, it, There's so many scenes that you'll recognize from Annie Hall, interiors, uh the other other movies we've already seen before, like Annie Hall, like you should smoke some of this and then you'll really be like, I mean, it's like it's right out of Annie Hall. Then there's interiors, which is just like he's, you know, again with the Fellini stuff. And at this point, you're like, all right, we get it. You like Fellini. Oh, my God. And then the same morality questions as the reason why we all got angry when we saw that one act play many years ago where it was this unbelievable great setup and then all of a sudden my book has been locked upstairs and here it comes and it's telling me stuff why subjectivity is morality morality is subjective it's uh, it's all uh, who cares he's like who am i why am i finding myself who gives a shit who you are that's the problem no one cares no one cares how many times have i told you on this show you write a show, you got to care about the character. I don't care about the character. I don't care about any of these characters. It's a fact that most of the times, and even the best of Woody Allen movies, like Midnight in Paris, you never care about the supporting characters a lot. I mean, a lot. Because then there's other times the supporting characters are goddamn believable. But he has multiple movies where the lead character is it, and the other ones are only there for who the hell knows why. It's amazing that this guy has won so many Oscars for supporting characters because it is so rare, (laughs) you know, uh, because usually, you know, there's all these movies he's made where only the lead character is the most important person. And that's in this one. And I'm thinking of Midnight in Paris. You only care about Owen Wilson and no one else. And everybody's just kind of there to bring us the plot. But that's all right. I mean, that's, you know, if you're. If you're able to do both, but now it seems like uh, we're just on a one-note thing here. I mean, look, if this guy comes out at 90 and, and makes another, I was just in a later example of Vicky Cristina Barcelona or Blue Jasmine, I mean, it'll be a goddamn miracle. But one would think at this point that he can't even come back to America that uh, I guess he's done. And since everybody's written him off, of course, he doesn't give a shit if his movies aren't released here. He just doesn't care. He's been, he's been quoted as saying, I really don't care. 
So I guess he'll always be able to do whatever he wants to do. The question is, are people going to work for him? Just today in the paper, Scarlett Johansson was sticking up for him, and why shouldn't she? And good for her. Scarlett Johansson, number one, uh, I don't like her at all as an actress. I just find her very dull and boring. But I guarantee if I saw her, and I think she lives in my neighborhood or she used to, I would think I would probably think the world of her. From what I understand, she is just the best person. So much fun, different than her character in the movies. And today she was speaking up for Woody Allen. She's like, I'm not going to say anything bad about this guy. This guy's unbelievable. And she said, I think actors should just stick to acting and not talk about politics. Ooh, we like that. We like that. Oh, boy, do I like that. So this Scarlett Johansson's okay, even though she married this Colin Jost guy, who I really, uh, again, don't care for. But whatever. She seems all right. She's okay, you know. Hey, I'll tell you, she's okay. She's okay, people. Hey, you're all right. That's what I'd say to her. Hey, you're okay. Now, speaking of Superman, at the, the for the opening, I've been watching the four hours plus Justice League because why? Because it's on HBO Max and I can watch it in increments. I mean, they do it perfectly for the way I want to watch it. It's in six parts. So I just watch a part and then I turn it off. It's beautiful. Now, this movie is bad. It's bad. It's bad in many ways. You know where it's not bad? It's not bad when Wonder Woman's on the screen. Wonder Woman, that Gal Gadot, she's fantastic. Now, why that movie was the worst movie I've ever seen, Wonder Woman 84, really pissed me off. Now, I'm going to watch it every time because she is just, she is awesome. They should just have her be, they have Batman as the lead, but it's Ben Affleck, so he sucks. And you don't trust him and you don't feel comfortable with him. You don't feel like he's actually going to be able to save anybody because Ben Affleck sucks. You know how much I hate this guy. He's fucking horrible in this. So that's a problem. But there's no problem when Gal Gadot or Aquaman, quite frankly, is great, too. Right, that guy, I mean, how good looking is that guy? But this Wonder Woman, this Gal Gadot, and maybe this is all she can do, but she is fantastic. Every time she's on the screen, I'm like, this movie's great. And every time she's not on the screen, I'm like, this movie's awful. Now, I'm a huge, now we played up front the unbelievable thing that shaped my entire existence in Superman. The first one, even though the second one is arguably better, but the first one, because Christopher Reeve was just the absolute shit. And no one has ever, ever been better as Superman, ever. That is just a hands down. If you're talking about James Bond, we can all have our reasons of who we like. Now, I think Daniel Craig is the best James Bond there's ever been. However, my likes go to Roger Moore just because that's what I grew up on. And, you know, he was fun and interesting. But if you're talking about James Bond and the way you picture him in your mind, Daniel Craig's the man, although Sean Connery could be if you read the books. So, But, of course, it's a, it's a loaded question. We can all choose who we want to choose. Where there is no issue is that Christopher Reeve is the greatest Superman of all time, whether it be TV or movies. I can't even name the people that played him. What, Brandon Roth? Is that his name? Christopher Reeve was the shit. He was the perfect. And everybody, if they're playing him, is just doing their imitation of Christopher Reeve. And we've talked about this on the show before. Christopher Reeve is a bad actor. But it did not matter. Just like Gal Gadot, this is going to be perfect. If Gal Gadot comes out with stuff, I'll probably watch everything she's in. 
because I am absolutely mesmerized by her. It's not just the looks. She's just just something about her that just works. Yeah, it's probably about the looks. It doesn't matter. But Christopher Reeve was a very bad actor who just, I could watch in anything because he was Superman and just because he's trying, he just looked like such a great guy, (laughs) you know? (laughs) And you didn't hear one ill word about him ever. And it's so sad that he, you know, left so soon. But boy, that first Superman, he was so funny. That's how I started doing imitations. I started doing him from the movie. Well, gee, Lois, I think that's swell. Um, I, I, I was wondering if you could uh, give half of my salary to uh, uh, this address on a weekly basis. Well, why would anybody want to make a total stranger look like a fool? <laughs> oh, God, he was so goddamn good. I know you know what I'm talking about. Christopher Reeve was the goddamn best. So when I'm watching this justice... Now, I'm a DC Comics guy. I've been that way my whole life because my dad actually got us into that when my sister and i liked richie rich he was very angry we weren't reading superman and as i've told you i'm pretty sure he had action comics number one and his mom threw it out so fuck her <laughs> oh my god fuck her god damn fuck her you know we always liked that grandma but god damn it we know she threw out all his comics he had the originals he had the originals his mother threw them out along with the pictures of anybody he dated before my mother so fuck her yeah mama ruth you suck you suck. I always liked you. You're always a terrific and fun woman. But you left us in the lurch in so many ways. Number one, financially. Thanks a lot, Jerkoff. Number two, we don't know anything about our dad. And people like to know stuff about their parents. They love that shit. Remember I always say, like, why do these orphans always want to look up their birth mothers or whatever? <laughs> or adopted people. What are they? Who cares? But... I don't know how that feels. I I know too much about my parents. I don't want to know anything else. I mean, but who am I kidding? You don't think my sister and I would have been fascinated to see some of my dad's old girlfriends, the way he used to talk? We want to know if he's full of shit or not. Turns out he's full of shit on a lot of stuff, so we'd like to know that too. Maybe him and his mother had something going, hey, I'll tell everybody I fleshed your picture so they won't know you were a homosexual. (laughs) Oh, that'd be epic. How could he be gay if he has comic books? Hey, those guys aren't gay. They just shoot up malls. Oh, oh, on fire today. Um, no, but so DC Comics was what I would. That's my thing, you know. Besides Marvel, sure, I had the Spider Man and Thor. I had all the stuff, but I preferred DC. Besides Spider Man, which was awesome, but um, you know, Superman, Batman, Shazam was my favorite. But that was a whole different thing. But, you know, I liked The Flash and Green Lantern. I liked all that stuff. So when Justice League came out, the comic book, even though it came out before I was born, but I would read Justice League comics all the time because Justice League was great. I love Justice League. And then I liked that stupid, stupid Super Friends. Ugh. God, that's like, I didn't like it. It was just, it was just on and it had Superman, Batman, and everybody in it. So the original Justice League is Superman, Batman. It's ironic. It, not The Flash at all. I don't know. Why was so long and bringing him in? But it's Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, which is cool that they had a chick, right? 1960, it's unbelievable, right? I mean, it really is unbelievable. That's pretty forward thinking back then. Uh, Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, four, there's five, right? Uh, who am I missing? I don't know. Maybe there was, no, they think there's a, oh, uh, Martian the Manhunter. 
So they bring in this uh, cyborg guy in the movie, and he, he became one later, but nobody knows who he is. And apparently the guy who plays him, which is a black guy, and clearly they needed to put a black guy in. I mean, this is where you get like, well, we need a black guy. I mean, then you, 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 you could almost ruin the show. But Martian the Manhunter is actually a black guy. So I don't know why you got to put this guy cyborg in it. Anyway, when Josh Whedon came in, if you know the whole story of this Justice League and why it's four and a half hours long, it's called Zack Snyder's. Just he was doing it, and then his wife got sick, and he had to leave, and all this stuff. And Josh Whedon came in and snipped the whole thing out of it, cut out two and a half hours of it, and cut out the black guy. <laughs> and he's like, Yo, fuck that guy. <laughs> but I didn't care for a cyborg character. I mean, that's not true Justice League in my mind. Martian the Manhunter is. But uh, it turns out, actually, I at first, I was very angry that he was in it. Well, I'll tell you why he's there, but now I enjoy the character further on. I'm not finished yet. I'm only on part five. But I'm actually enjoying his character now. It is a little bit more modern take. But the, the reason he is cyborg is because he's mad at his parents. I mean, that's, if you look at the thing, it's like, oh, my God. He's mad because his dad wouldn't come to a football game. Well, he, I, I just, you know, at this point, I can't take people that are that angry at their parents anymore. You just, you got to drop it. And you got to move on. And in this movie, his parents and him and everybody got killed because he was so fucking selfish. But that's the part they don't play up. That's just what I noticed. And I'm like, God, if he wasn't so selfish, everybody would still be alive and he wouldn't be cyborg. And it'd be fine to be cyborg, but he's miserable being cyborg. But it's all his own fault if you really look at it. Of course, this is science fiction. So who really gives a shit? But I just like the uh, original and, quite frankly, the greatest Justice League is this Justice League Unlimited, which was a cartoon, a two-year cartoon, which was the greatest cartoon superheroes thing I've ever seen in my life. It was this unbelievable storyline with all the superheroes all working together, everybody ever heard of. It was fantastic. And a great opening theme song, too, that I think about all the time. But the fact of the matter is that when you're watching that Superman scene or listening to it, you're remembering, man, DC was right there. They had it. It was theirs for the taking. They got it right in 1978 and 1980. And then 1989 with Batman, they got it all right. And then something happened, and they just fucked up. Spider-Man came out, and that wasn't even the Marvel Studios. That was Sony, but Marvel just took, you know, and said, DC can go fuck yourselves, and DC cannot get it right. Everything they do is awful. I mean, really god-awful. I don't even care for their TV shows anymore. It's the goddamn same thing. I said they got it right, but I'm, I'm now I'm not interested anymore. I'm just not interested in their stupid things. When when I can go to Disney Plus and see this great WandaVision, and then I've heard that this, uh, even though I didn't want to see Bucky or the, the Captain America thing, but I know that Marvel does stuff so good and so smartly that I know, even though it's a, two characters I couldn't care less about, it's probably going to be good. And better than, even though the, the the Flash on the CW network, I think I'm coming to the end. I'm not interested anymore. I'm done with their stupid TV shit. So I'm looking at Justice League, and I'm like, well, that's my favorite thing. But Ben Affleck as Batman is already a deterrent. But it's just bad. And they have this character, Darkseid, who's always a Superman villain. And it's the exact same. He's Thanos, and he's looking, instead of, for stones, he's looking for boxes. It's like they 
completely just ripped off Infinity Wars and Endgame. It's they're late to the party and they stink. The only good thing is that um, I, I don't know if the guy that plays the Flash, I think his name is Ezra Miller, is Jewish. I know he's per, he's per, he's supposed to be a Jewish Flash in the movie. So in a way, uh, seeing Wonder Woman and Flash as, as Jewish characters, well, then I'm like, well, well, I mean, because <laughs> that's very rare. Two Jewish characters, please. What? As superheroes? Something Dave Jessica never could have foreseen in the 70s. Uh, but uh, other than that, really just shitty. But again, I really could watch anything that Gal Gadot is in. She is, well, at least it, I haven't seen her in anything else, but at least as Wonder Woman. <laughs> Boy, is she good. <laughs> she. I don't even understand a word she's saying. She's got that accent and everything, but she's just so fun to watch and um again the guy who plays aquaman who's gorgeous jason um mimosa whatever he's good too but he's just like thor they've already done marvel's already done this i know you guys already know it's just it's frustrating sometimes to watch because i love the justice league so much i mean i can't wait to go to the comic book store and get some more justice league comics because the comics i still enjoy Although they're not as easy to read, they've become more complicated in the day. And why do you want to read comics and picture pages? Because they're easy and they don't make you think. And now they're like, no, we should we we need to make a thought-provoking comic. No, you really don't. So on uh, Saturday, Sophia came over, British super hot model. Sophia came over my house. Oh, let me just say about la- – oh, let me say a couple things before I get to this. We're at the uh, almost halfway point of the show. With regards to – first of all, let me thank again all my Patreon subscribers. I know there aren't that many, uh, but I really appreciate the people that are on there, you know. And I do the best I can in offering whatever I can, and I don't have that much to offer. And I knew it would be uh, a limited amount of people and – but it's but it you know it's a it does even the limited amount it is it's a, it makes me happy every week when I go into to post the stuff I'm like these people are are terrific you know so but so the thing is I'm you know when I'm putting out the video portion of the podcast which um, uh, Mark was uh, nice enough to say he's I think he's the only one that watched it last week when I had Susie Felber on he's like you know I really like this what you're doing because you know I'm I'm really Everything I'm talking about, if I'm talking about Wonder Woman, if I'm talking about the flesh, I'm putting up the pictures. So it's a good companion piece to the podcast. You could watch it that way or you could listen to it this way. But when I put it out a month later, it's just the, the one I just put out from a month ago, it's getting seven views. And to put all that time into it, I don't know if I, I, I would anybody care? I know if you're on the Calico level, it's supposed to be exclusive. And then I said, well, let me put it out a month later because I put on this work, but nobody seems to be watching it. So I'd rather just put it out at the same time. I don't want to not do it, but I'd rather just put it out at the same time as the podcast. Of course, you would still get the early access to it, but I I hope that doesn't – I don't think anybody will care. I think the people that sign up for my Patreon will be like, eh, let's give this guy a break. I mean, look at him. <laughs> so I don't, I don't think you'll be upset, but I, I, I think I, I, I have to um, do it at the same time because it's just a waste of uh, nobody's watching. So, And I put so much time into it, and if you ever watch the videos, you'll see – how much time I put into it uh, by getting 
you know, either videos or photos or just trying to make it a little bit more interesting than a talking head. And certainly that was the way it was with Susie Felber last week. Now, Susie was very mad at me because after she got off, I said, well, that was a bust because uh, that's what I was waiting to say the whole time. That's nothing about uh, being angry at Susie and she's very insulted and angry. But then again, what's more of a fun podcast than uh, making your guests really angry at you and never talking to you again for a year like Russ Maneev? I enjoy, as you know, stabbing people right in the back as soon as they've been on the podcast and telling them how horrible they are because that's what I enjoy to do it. And I'm telling you the truth and everything, but it's you know, there's the flip side where people just get angry at you or they won't date you or whatever because you've talked ill about them on the podcast. But if I don't say it, then what do you listen to the podcast for? I, you got to listen to the podcast because I'm telling you everything that's the truth, right? I never lie. So... When it came to Susie, it, what, what happened was, and I've apologized to her profusely because she was great, not as it turns out, because <clears throat> everything I'm saying seems bad, but it's not. What it is, it's, it's all my thing. So she was a very good guest because she had very interesting things to say. But what you didn't see or hear because I edited it, especially what I was... I'm worried about the video portion, right? I'm like, well, this month I'm doing a video portion, and I think she'll be an interesting video guest because she has these cards, and we can show them up on the screen. Because even though we're telling you that Adam Sandler got a fair or David Tell got no good or whatever, seeing it and seeing the handwriting really brings it to life, you know? And uh, also, let alone being able to see the actual Family Affair episode, and I appreciate Mark you saying like, "Hey, I that you know, thanks. I can't believe I got to see that. What you're talking about? You're damn right, it's creepy." Um, so that's all great stuff. But uh, with with Susie, what you didn't see was the ten minutes of where she's just looking through the card catalog, and I'm just sitting there letting her do it because I know I'm going to edit it. So in my mind, I'm thinking in advance of the editing I have to do and, and what the podcast is. So I can't what I can't piece in my mind is how when I finally pieced it together, how good she was, how what a good guest well, I thought she was, and how interesting she was. Because I was just thinking in my head, I gotta get rid of her just with me not even talking or trying to pick up the slack because I knew I was going to edit with her just going through the catalog. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I, and, and it's funny that she doesn't seem to understand that how bad that is for a video podcast or even an audio podcast. If you're a guest and you're doing something else while you're talking to me, again, it, it's not her fault. I asked her to do this. So she was a good guest and she's such a nice person and, you know, we'll go through that, guy, but it, it's in my head because I'm I. So when I had finished that, I hadn't edited it yet. And then I came back and I said, well, that was a bust because to me it was a bust video wise because we didn't get enough cards and I could have just had her on as a guest, as a regular guest or something. It didn't have to be video. So that's where it came down to. And it had nothing to do with her. I didn't even need to apologize. Cause I've already apologized to her, but I, I think I needed to work it out of my own head. Because she sent out horrible tweets like, Dave Chuskow's an asshole, <laughs> which, again, so fine. Uh, but I, I just felt bad because she is nice, and I think she felt like she was ambushed because uh, it was funny. But <laughs> I guess I always think nobody's going to listen, so who cares? <laughs> well, that was a bust. <laughs> it is such a rude thing to do. 
but I couldn't help myself. And again, it had nothing to do with her. It's just sticking in my head. That's a bust because all I have is a video of somebody looking through a card catalog and not saying anything. But that's not on her. That's me, uh, I guess. Maybe I, we should have done it a month and, like I said, had her have definite cards in there. But uh, I told her, let's do it. Let's do it. So, again, she's so nice and those stories were pretty cool. Although, Mike Sauter had said that when we did the Billy Joel thing, with uh, we could all go down to the uh, Goodnight Saigon together. He said it was 1990, which would be before she got there. I just don't remember ever going there before she was there. And I don't know how in the world somebody would put me on stage to sing if it wasn't her. But why wouldn't my mind be screwed up from that? It would make sense that it was earlier, but... And I, I guess the thing with Sarah must have been earlier, too. I guess she was right. But that's the other thing. I kept trying to give her credit anyway. Just take the credit. Just say you're the best. And be like, yeah, yeah, I was there. It was a good time. Hey, you're welcome. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. I, I, I must have known that guy that wrote those cards, but I, I don't remember any of that. Of course, I was drinking a lot at that time as well. So last yesterday, I cooked all day for Passover because my sister is a jackass, and in all her Jewishness, I love Judaism. We got to do this. We got to do. Hey, it's what's the matter with you? It's Passover. You're not coming home. What are you he's yelling at her kids? He's yelling at everybody. Meanwhile, she makes a, a flight to Florida and forgets it's Passover. She goes, "Oh shit! I I spaced on the date, you dummy." So she's coming home from Florida on Sunday. Uh, today I'm taping on Saturday's first night of Passover. We're not doing anything because she's in Florida. My mother's very upset. And then she's in Florida tomorrow, too, but she's coming home. So I'm doing most of the cooking. Dory's doing the other half of the cooking because they're not going to have time to cook. So yesterday I made two matzo lasagnas. And you know how difficult that is. And I made veal and peppers. When my mother usually makes chicken and peppers, but she's been burning the chicken lately. So I said, I'll make it because I know you can't, you know, she, she can't really cook anymore. But she gets angry. I'm like, no, let me, I'll do it. Don't, don't be cooking. You always, all you do is complain. Like, I can't cook anymore. I can't cook anymore. I can't stand on my feet. I'm like, let me do it. I mean, if she was just honest and just said, God, I really, I miss cooking and I can't do it anymore because I can't stand, that would be different. And I'd be like, well, let's uh, try and work on that. But then she's just like, you know, she'll do it. And then she's like, oh, I shouldn't have done it. I shouldn't have done it. Every year it's the same thing. So, but of course, it's been going on for 10 years. So I don't, I don't know. Anyway, so I cooked like three dishes yesterday. It took me all day. I started at about one in the afternoon and it finished at nine at night. So I cooked for eight hours. And I was, you know, I went into Jersey on Thursday and I was uh, like, should I just do my grocery shopping here? You know, it's so much easier. And yet it's not because then, I, as you know, I got to, you know, bring it the car all the way to my house. And it's just such a pain in the ass. I'm like, screw it. I'll just get it where I live. So right after, when I came home Thursday, I got all the groceries and four big bags of stuff and cans of tomato sauce, very heavy stuff, and I carried it to my apartment. It was, it was killing me. I thought my finger was going to fall off. They were so heavy, but it's only a block or two blocks away. So you know how I'm always complaining about you know living here because it does suck and they don't have the selections that they have out in new jersey but i was able to get everything and i'm like good i got it done and now i can cook on friday and i think i really i didn't miss a thing i got everything i needed which was a miracle in one store sometimes i have to go to two stores or three and then 
while I was cooking yesterday, when I was about to make the second dish, the veal and peppers, I realized I didn't, I somehow I misjudged the can of tomato paste, a six ounce can of tomato paste. And I didn't have it. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go out and get it. So I walked to the store, got a can of tomato paste and came back. And then I was thinking, you know, for all I make fun of hating living in Manhattan in the sense of grocery shopping, which is the worst, and, you know, how difficult it is to buy groceries here and do all that stuff, it it certainly was a lot more convenient to go to the grocery store, pick up one can of tomato paste and come back with it than it would be living in New Jersey, getting into your car, driving to the grocery store, and then coming back. And I was like, you know... I keep making fun, but this wasn't a bet. If you got to buy, like, go out and buy one thing, and it has to be at a grocery store because they're not going to have it in a bodega or a Seven Eleven. Maybe they would, but why take the chance? The odds of them having a can of tomato paste, not sauce. Then I got to say that was goddamn pretty convenient. Just put on some pants. <laughs> I put on my shoes, and I just went out two blocks. I was back in ten minutes. Was that when I left the stove? No, I didn't leave the stove on, but I just prepared the veal. And it was just sitting out. And I'm like, no, I think I can go to the store and come back and it'll be okay. But that stuff uh, takes like two hours to just kind of stew, as they might call it. But so I couldn't believe how actually I had a, a good thing to say about uh, living in Manhattan for a change, which uh, hasn't been the case in at least over a year for sure during the pandemic. Meanwhile, that day on Thursday when I usually go to this grocery store in New Jersey kind of by uh, – by Perth Amboy, this guy that I know that works for United Airlines lives there. And I said, hey, well, when I stop by, I'm vaccinated. He goes, I'm vaccinated too. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to stop by. And I went by his house and we watched TV for an hour and it was okay. I, I haven't gone to somebody's house and just hung out for like, you know, for maybe a year, maybe two years. We had a good time. This guy's all right. It was so weird being with somebody. Oh, so the, what I was saying to you in connection with that, so Crazy Sophia comes over Saturday, or she's like, you know, we were trying to do a stock show together, and she's like, no, it has to be pristine. It's got to be the best quality. You know, it's got to be very important, you know, and, and I'm like, well, whatever you say. You know, I know people at the CW Network will get it. I'm like, yeah, whatever you say, right? Because I'm just like, let's do a pilot on Zoom, because that's the way it's going to end up anyway, where everybody's in different places. She lives in D.C. She goes, I'm going to be by Saturday, so I'll come out and we'll shoot it. I'm like, you want to shoot it in my apartment? She's like, yes, yes, I'm going to shoot it in your apartment. And um, I'll bring, you know, what I'm going to wear and you, you know, do whatever and we'll shoot it, you know, on your couch. And I'm like, really? Because isn't <laughs> shooting out of my couch, is that the way we're always going to do it? And first of all, I haven't had anybody over here in a year, you know? So I'm, so I'm nervous. That, and, and, and my cleaning lady canceled again because I think her baby now has COVID. This woman has caught COVID like four times. I don't know what the hell she's doing over there, but now her baby has COVID. I mean, what the hell's the matter with her? So she canceled. So the first time I was going to have somebody over, the place was, sorry, the place was a little messy, but you know, whatever. So she comes over. So so I go, and then we'll go, maybe uh, you come to the diner with me. We'll have lunch or something. And she goes, great. And she goes, "Um, do you want, we'll get a drink. And I'm like, well, we'll have to get a drink after because I can't do anything before I can't have a drink and then do stuff. That's just not the way I work. Yeah, I didn't tell you this, right? Um, I'm, I'm trying to think because I taped this before I just met her. So, 
so so, so then around one o'clock she calls. She says, no, I've got to get a drink. For, I've got to have a drink now because she's also selling like an apartment or something. So, so I need a drink now. So I met her at the diner. The diner. She had three Bloody Marys and a mimosa. She didn't seem drunk. But then when we got here, I realized she must be drunk. Because then what she was saying what we should do was the most non-professional stuff. First of all, she came here. I didn't even know she had a bag with her. And she got into this unbelievable outfit, which just gorgeous. Where did that come from? She looked perfect. Came out of the bathroom like, here's what I'm going to wear. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. And you can wear this. And then she put me in this outfit, my horrible closet of stuff, where I'm wearing this jacket that I used to wear on puppet pics for the ABC logo where I'm doing the Howard Cosell. Oh, that, that'll be hilarious. And I'm like, well, I can't get it because, you know, we were. I only knew we were doing it like for 12 hours and I couldn't get it. So the green screen was like putting her in and out of stuff. It looked ridiculous. And you go, oh, no, that's hilarious. That's hilarious. It'd be funny. And I'm like, no, but it's not what we're looking. We're not trying to be, we're trying to be funny in a different way. Not like, not because of our technical stuff. And you know how I feel about that kind of stuff. And like, no, it's so funny. So we're sitting together at the computer and she looks amazing and I look like an idiot, but that's the gag. And, uh, you know, and she keeps going in and out and I'm like, it's, it's not, and I'm always on and I'm like, you know, if I went in and out, it would be okay, but people want to see you. That's the show. You always have to be on camera. You are, you know, you're camera ready. And, uh, it's just funny. She's going back and forth. And then finally, at one point she just fell off the chair she was so drunk. <laughs> You're, again, you couldn't tell her anything, but uh, but the best part was that she came in and she played Pac-Man. And she's the first person I've had over that was able to enjoy the arcade machines in my house. She's like, oh my God, I love Pac-Man. <laughs> so having the first guest over, who's a model who looked amazing, playing Pac-Man, the way those machines are supposed to be used was a perfect way to uh, hey, break my cherry. Hey. It was just so weird having somebody over the house. But, uh, yeah, it was great. So on Tuesday when I'm doing the show, the intercom rings. And I'm like, you got to be fucking kidding me. I mean, that intercom never rings, right? And le- Never. They don't even ring when I have a package downstairs. Only if I'm expecting somebody. Maybe they'll ring when the cleaning lady's here. You know, that's about it. And I'm like, and I think I've even told them, try not to call between 7 and 7.30 on Tuesdays. It's the only time I'm, like, busy. They call exactly at 7.30, and I can't get up. And when the show's over, I run downstairs, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, what did I tell you guys? I said, you can't call me between 7 and 7.30. What could possibly be so urgent that you have to call me on a Tuesday between 7 and 7.30? They're like, your new arcade game's here. Oh, I'll be right down. Uh, so, yes, I got a new I just I forgot I even purchased it. I bought it on a lark. I bought OutRun, the driving game. And... I know I shouldn't, but I got, you know, some more, I, you know, there's just this point. I'm like, I, I got to get it because it's going to go out of sale. It's going to go out of commission. Uh, paying for it over time. It's not that expensive, but it is, you know, when you're not working. Um, and it was huge. It was huge. He's like, you, come pick it up because everybody's looking at it and asking about it. I'm like, yeah, I guess, you know, if I'm not paying rent, it's probably a good idea to just bring this expensive thing upstairs. And I know everybody's looking at it. Oh, what's this? You know, so I bought it upstairs. It's so heavy. And when I was sliding it into my apartment and trying to get it around, kind of pivoting, like Ross would say on Friends, I was just laughing so hard because I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> what the fuck is the matter with me? I keep buying these arcades. When they kick me out of the place, I'm going to have to have somebody, I'm going to have to pay more money to have people move them somewhere. But uh, 
You know, I don't even play them that much. I just like when they're on and I can look at them. It's exciting to have them in my house. Again, I can't, you know, I can't believe my 17-year-old self thinking that I would ever have video arcades in my house. Like Silver Spoons, like the TV show. It's very exciting. Meanwhile, after I dropped Sophia off at her car on Saturday... And I'm walking past this 7-Eleven, and normally I don't like going to 7-Elevens in Manhattan. I don't even like going to 7-Elevens anymore. It's either Wawa or Quick Check because they're cleaner. 7-Elevens aren't what they used to be. But they have the big gulp machine, and I was like, really? Thirsty. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a tub of soda. And I'm looking, you know, and I, I was like, eh. Like, they don't have lemonade, and I like to combine the Coke and lemonade, you know? And I was like, I'll just do it today. Who cares? I try not to drink that much soda, but I was really in the mood. Big, big gulp, you know? When people have it on TV, I go like, oh, that looks good. And my sister and I, when we go to my mom, sometimes I'll go to Wawa and get the big, like the, the big, like the large one. So I got the soda, but I saw they had Mountain Dew there. And I'm thinking to myself, how is Mountain Dew so popular? They advertise it on TV anytime. I don't know anyone that drinks it, but somebody must. Who drinks Mountain Dew? They advertise it all the time. It's still in business. I mean, it's part of the Pepsi Corporation, clearly. But, I mean, it's just so, you know, have you ever known anybody to drink it or buy it or ask for it? I, 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 don't, I don't know anybody. I was just thinking about that. I can't believe it's still around. And Because I thought about getting it. So I'm like, well, maybe I should get it. I haven't had it in a long time. What is it? But I don't want to get a big gulp of it. You know, that would be, well, let's try it again. But who can? But it must be very popular with someone. I mean, I know I'm sure it's mostly kids that drink Mountain Dew. But but I I don't remember my nieces or nephews or any of their friends. Drink. Hey, let's go get some Mountain Dew, man. Is it supposed to be only for skateboarders and surfers, man? Mountain Dew, man. It's gonna be awesome. I just can't believe it's still around. It's like Mr. Pibb. Which now that sounds delicious. I was thinking about getting a big thing of Dr. Pepper. I hadn't had that in a long time. When's the last time you had a Dr. Pepper? Right? Seriously, when's the last time you had a Dr. Pepper? Not the diet, a regular Dr. Pepper. Nobody ever drinks that. I drink Dr. Pepper and I'm proud. I'm part of an original crowd. And if you look around these days, it seems to be a Dr. Pepper craze. I'm a pepper, he's a pepper, she's a pepper, we're a pepper. Wouldn't you like to be? Man, 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 you see, now I want a Dr. Pepper. <laughs> it is pretty good. What is that soda anyway, Dr. Pepper? It's not root beer. What is it? I don't know. So I ordered uh, food over last weekend, and the I ordered it off Uber Eats because I guess I got some KFC, which, I, you know what, I, I, I got to stop getting that. And they said in the Uber app that Sophia was on her bike, and she's coming. I'm like, a girl? A female delivery? And she's riding a bike, and I'm like, you know, first of all, I'm like, ugh, a bike? That's going to take forever because I was ordering her all the way from 14th Street. And I'm like, a girl? But then I got excited. You know, when people are making fun of women and they're like, you know, whatever, all the nonsense that we go through, I'm just like, nonsense? I couldn't be more thrilled that there is a woman delivering this meal. 
I feel because a woman is delivering this meal, I'm going to get it efficiently and everything is going to be there. So, you know, there aren't, I don't know any women delivery people. I've never seen any. It's usually always dudes. And then that's the first thing I thought of was this is a good thing that's happening because women will be more efficient. I just get the feeling that she'll be more efficient in delivering. So then when I got it, I was dying to almost go down and see what she looked like because in her picture, she looked kind of cute and she looked like this friend Sophia that I have, which is uh, Asian. And I went downstairs, uh, but I, you know, I missed her. They just called me and said she was there. And I asked the doorman, I'm like, hey, uh, w- was it a girl who came? He goes, no, it was a boy. And I'm like, what? He goes, yeah, it was a guy. And I'm like, are you positive? Because it said it was a girl. <laughs> and he's like, I'm positive it was a guy. Well, they're wearing a mask. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm sure. So uh, somehow, well, that, and then I was like, well, that's, see, that's even more than Uber Eats definitely knows what they're doing. If they put Sophia and it's you and it's a guy, that's even smarter. They, they probably know what I know. Like, um, if we put down girls, I think people feel safer. <laughs> Isn't that the stupidest thing you ever heard? But it was funny. Then I got disappointed. It was a guy, but it did work out. He got everything correct. So maybe the girl packed it. That's the only thing it's in. And why is everybody named Sophia? Thank you. And speaking of women, the NCAA is uh, doing an investigation. Is that the in the in the basketball competition that the women's accommodations aren't as good as the men's? Well, no kidding. There needs to be an investigation. Did any of us ever think that the women would have just as good as the cash cow? That is the NCAA's Men's Basketball Association. Are you fucking kidding me? What, do you guys live in an alternate universe? Duh. Yeah, no one cares about the women. This isn't anti-women. I'm just saying. No one cares. Do the parents of those women playing care? Yes, they're the only ones. And maybe there's three other people that give a shit about the tournament for women. No one cares. No one cares. Let's stop fooling ourselves thinking we care. Does it make us... Uh, unfeminist because I don't care to see women's basketball. I don't want to go see a, a, a New York Liberty game. I don't give a shit. Does that make me like prejudiced somehow? I don't think so. All I'm saying is they don't make, they don't bring in the kind of money. So yeah, their accommodations would be worse. It'd be like playing minor league baseball. So then are we supposed to say that the people playing in minor league baseball because they stay, they don't stay in such pristine hotels as the major leagues. Should we get them too, even though it's all dudes? That, that's what we're saying. Again, it's like with the women's soccer. I'm like, women's soccer is, is popular. Women's basketball is not popular. It might be popular. I mean, I can't imagine there's anybody in my audience going, what are you talking about? Women's basketball is amazing. Women's college basketball. But no one cares. It's, you, you, nobody's betting on it. And, and that's where the money is, unfortunately. And we all know that March Madness normally, I didn't do anything with March Madness. I couldn't care less this year. Didn't fill out a bracket, wasn't interested. Was mad that they were doing it. There had already been a postponement, all this nonsense. But let's face it. We all know that March Madness normally is awesome. Everybody fills out a bracket. Before Trump was president, the president of the United States would always fill out a bracket. It was exciting. Everybody knows about college men's basketball during this time of the year, March Madness. But no one, I guarantee you half of this listening audience didn't even know there was a woman's bracket. 
but there is. So there's an investigation that their accommodations aren't as good as the men's? Come on. It, you know, there's this woman. Oh, I have her name right here. Actually, I bought it. Uh, you remember how I was talking about on the podcast or last, yeah, last week on the, on the show, how uh, that really pretty girl who was going to be the editor of Teen Vogue got fired because of the tweet she made when she was in high school. And people are saying, oh, that's so wrong. Everybody makes mistakes, but they're racist mistakes. <laughs> Fuck you. Again, it's so beautiful that the people who invented cancel culture are getting canceled. And then remember, I don't know if you know, but if you watched my show on Tuesday, we found out that the girl that blew the whistle on her to get fired, oh, she's racist. She made these tweets, also got fired for using the N-word in a couple of tweets 10 years ago as well. It's fucking beautiful what's happening to these people. Here's another one. This girl, I, I, I have trouble pronouncing her name, Hamel Jaharvi. I don't know. I think she's of Indian descent. She was writing for USA Today. And she complained that the Boulder supermarket shooter was another angry white man. And she's blaming alt-right outage. Outrage, sorry. And she just got fired from USA Today. It's beautiful. She made fun of white people, and she just got canceled. I think she's older. But it's beautiful that it's all coming full circle. Now, she's technically right. There are... Usually those shooters do turn out to be a very angry white young men. But they're also, we know there's a lot of angry black guys too. But that's not the point. The point is, the real point is, why are they all men? And of course, it's always over women. Because, you know, it's very sad when women treat you like a bag of shit. And then you get upset. And, the, you know, and then uh, this is how, you, you know, if you're unstable... Just so even for a, a moment or suggestible, you know, it gets bad. But it is uh, bad for men, that it's always men. I'd like to see a woman assassin. Uh... <laughs> well, I think we would just to be like, oh, finally. I, I wonder if that'll happen. You know, somebody shoots up. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's horrible, but I'm just like, it, it's getting annoying that they're all, that they are all white men. She's, she's right. But it's great that she got fired, too. Because you can't just let it go where it's all. And remember... You know, most of the hate, the hating of Asians, is, a lot of it's coming also from uh, black people who've always hated Asians. Yeah, I, I just said it. But we can't talk about that because that's racist. In this city, at least, it's always been like that. For some reason, the black people hate the Asians. Not all of them. But it's a thing. And I don't know why. I don't even know why people hate Asians now. I don't know why there's all this stuff. Oh, my God. Did you hear about Jay Leno? Jay, this fucking idiot who's been an idiot from the beginning of time just apologized for making Asian jokes on The Tonight Show from 30 years ago because they were going to fire him from a new show he was at, he was going to start doing. And then that idiot, Guy Ioki from this you know organization that picked on Sarah 30 years ago for doing the pee-pee in my Coke joke, <laughs> uh called him out and said, you better apologize. They don't want them fired. And you go, what about an apology? And he apologized. He apologized for doing jokes years ago. And what were the Asian jokes? What, the dancing Edos from that? That's not an Asian joke. That was just making fun of the judge on the OJ case. You know, whatever. I mean, you, as a comedian, you can't apologize like that. Again, I, I, are we, I, you know, I just keep going back. Are we forgetting that they, 
The Japanese, in particular, bombed us during Pearl Harbor. And you know, it's funny. Nobody makes Japanese jokes. They always make. It seems like an Asian is always Chinese. Because I think we all think everybody's just Chinese. We don't think about the breaking down of, they could be Japanese or Korean or Laotian, my favorite. But I always just bring it up. That's why I bring it up. If I get into any kind of trouble with that guy, I'd be like, yeah, well, the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor. Remember, we were at war with them. That's why some of these jokes exist. But, again, only for some reason the young kids, young white kids and black kids hate Asians. But the adults don't seem to hate them, unless, of course, you've been at war. You're at war against the North Vietnamese or the North Koreans. You might not care for Asians because that could have ruined your life. So there is something to that. But those aren't usually the people that are where there's an issue. Really, who hates Asians? Asians, uh, they seem to mind their own business. Uh, You know, they're all right. But uh, it's funny. Like I told you, that girl, I know we talked about it, right? That girl I was going out with in the... The paralegal, and she's always angry because I say horrible stuff. What do you mean black people hate Asians? I'm like, no, I'm just saying that's what I have. It's a, it's a fact. In the city, at least, they they don't get along. they always yelling at the bodegas because they're always looking. You know, there's, there's, there's a distrust between both parties. She's like, what? how can you say that? And then, of course, like I told you, she gets drunk and she goes, I forgot to tell you, I hate Asians. You know, she's 23. So maybe they they clearly, and that girl who tweeted that stuff, hated Asians because they were doing better in school than her. And that's what those tweets came from. Oh, big surprise. The Asian person's going to Harvard. What are you going to do? They're smart and they have different things. You know, you like to have fun and the Asians like to work, as we see, and fresh off the boat. And their parents like to keep them, keep them going, so they're going to do well. And that's why people hated Jews for a long time. Why are they excelling here? They came over here in a boat like everybody else, and now they excel. Well, fuck them. So that's what happens, unfortunately. If you uh, excel like um, like Indian people uh, who, uh, you know, like anybody else, some of them are doctors. I, I've told you before, there's, there's, there's the ones who are the doctors and excel in their fields, and then there's the ones who work at the newsstands, and there's no in-between. <laughs> there's no middle-class Indians. <laughs> oh, it's all prejudice and racist and horrible, but... Uh, you know, we're just being fair to all ethnicities. And everybody has one they don't like. And what are you going to do? And it's just beautiful that it's all the cancel culture is canceling itself out. And maybe there's a light at the end of the tunnel with all these other people getting canceled. And everybody, and nobody's going to have a job. Everybody wants everybody fired. Nobody's going to be able to work. We're all going to be on unemployment. The whole thing's a mess. And this has nothing to do with the pandemic. I mean, what a disaster. Everybody has to be fired. Everybody has to be fired. Nobody wants anybody else to work. People suck. A lot of people suck. Oh, you know what I was going to tell you when I was thinking of Sophia being a model and everything? I was watching, you know, one of those Family Affair episodes last night. And they had, and Brian Keith was dating this, well, model. Apparently, not just a model, the highest paid fashion model in the country. Maybe in the world. I can't remember what he said. The highest paid fashion model in the country. She was on the cover of Vogue. And Sissy came dressed out, you know, she's 15, in her 60s vibe outfit. Hey, Nito, Uncle Bill. Hey, 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 peace. Peace out. We're going to go to the disco or whatever she said. I don't know. She's with this guy and they're all, you know, dressed in 60s outfits. And he, you know, was very upset by this. 
So he brings the fashion magazine with his date in it, who's on the who's on the inside cover, and says, "This is what you need to look like." And she's the highest paid fashion model in the country. Now, first of all, when I saw her, I was like, "Huh? <laughs> really?" I mean, her body was okay, but it it ain't the models we see today. Exhibit A. So. I could not wait to find out who this actress was and find out how old she was <laughs> that she's the top paid fashion model in the country and was in the cover of this magazine. Of course, they have a picture of her in the magazine. I should have taken a picture off the TV. Maybe I w- Well, no, it's a little sexist, what I'm about to say. <laughs> uh, her name is Kay Forrester. <laughs> this was, this was uh, a show that was made in 1967. And she was born in 1921. <laughs> she's 46, but she's the highest paid fashion model at, no, even back then, no, no. Nobody who was 46 was the highest paid fashion model. Things might have been different. I mean, it was beautiful thinking, but uh, I was not by. So so he was like, I want your hemline to come down <laughs> like based on a, a woman who's almost 50. It, it, it's funny because it was the one episode of Family Fair. I've watched two seasons so far where I'm like, well, they got this one really wrong. <laughs> I mean, who cares? But it was great. This name Kay Forrester, you look it up. And it's just like, she she ain't no beauty. Uh, but, I mean, she had a, you know, a pretty good body. She's thin, I guess, if you consider modeling like that. You know, Sports Illustrated, just what they just put on some, it was an older woman or I, I know they did the curvy but I think they just put it like an old, a mature woman, I think, on the cover. Man, these guys are idiots, too. Now, that's wonderful. But first of all, who's buying Sports Illustrated swimsuit issues anyway? They've ruined it by moving it to April or May. We talked about this last year. It used to be in February after football. It was the perfect time for a swimsuit issue. But now who's buying magazines? You can see all this stuff online. It's so stupid. So that's their idea? Well, we'll put a mature woman on the cover, and then... I mean, I'm sure she's hot. I haven't seen a picture. And I'm sure if Sports Illustrated is going to put her on the cover, she's probably gorgeous, no matter what her age is or anything. But it's, you know, what do you... You might as well go for it all and just put the hottest person on the cover and try and sell... Because who's buying that? Who's going to buy that magazine? I mean, why, how are you still even having, in this day and age, a, a Sports Illustrated swims? Well, I guess there it is. No, but if we put a mature woman or a curvy woman on, then no, then it's okay. <laughs> and then as soon as you go inside, that woman's nowhere to be found. Then it's all super hot girls in their twenties. <laughs> it probably is. I should probably buy a copy. I mean, just for research purposes. <coughs> Spalding, Elihu. <coughs> so just a few more things. No, okay, I got one for you. One, uh, one other, one last thing. Yeah, uh, here's an interesting, uh, I don't know, we can uh, contemplate on this for the next week. My friend called me up and he said he was doing this thing and he was wondering if I knew any women that gambled on sports, especially couples, you know? So it would be like me and I meet a girl, find me and have a girlfriend and we gamble together on sports. Now I And then I said, boy, that is... Really interesting. Now, I know there was a Showtime special about gamblers who sports bet, and there was this woman on it, uh, my friend Joe 
Messina told me about it. So we know there's a, a few, but I, then I told him, you know, when I was going to the Meadowlands to make the physical bets, there wasn't a girl in sight unless they just happened to be accompanying their husbands or boyfriends. But normally there was no girls. And remember, if you remember correctly, about two years ago, I had a a, a conversation with one of the tellers or whatever you call them. And we were talking about this one super hot girl that came in, put down $5,000 on Tampa Bay, and you know she lost. Everybody was like, she must know something, you know, whatever that she loved. But, but everybody was talking about the hot girl that came in that day. So there are no women who bet on sports. Or maybe there are, but, but certainly like nobody – I don't know of any couple – I know all the boys that gamble, they gamble online, they gamble at home, they do all this stuff, but their their spouses or girlfriends do significant others do not. If you know of any couples, my friend would like to hear about him. I think he's planning something. Uh DM me or uh you know, email me at Dave Just Got Fans, Gmail. Because yeah, my friend would uh that, because that's way interesting. I mean, we'd like to have them on this podcast, right? Wouldn't that be interesting? Women don't gamble on sports. Like, my friend uh, Alina loves to gamble, but not on sports. So she'll go to Jersey like I do, sit in the car and play blackjack on her phone. But it's not sports gambling. We're talking about sports gambling, which, of course, makes sense that it's mostly boys. I mean, you know, it's you're betting on men's, as we were talking about, sports. Nobody's betting on the women's unless, uh, I don't know, you bet on the gymnastics uh, or tennis. Women's sports are what we like and all can agree in that women's gymnastics are, we didn't even know the men's had a gymnastics team. Women's gymnastics, women's soccer during the Olympics, apparently only. It's not my fault. I mean, nobody goes. I don't know why. It seems like a good one. And um, women's tennis. And that's it. Uh, Lately, there's been a couple of women golfers that are young and cute and making some noise, but it still ain't the same as the men's. Everybody knows that. But the women are making headway. And, you know, they have big basketball tournaments. They have their own league, but no one cares. So what I'm saying is that maybe that makes sense. I don't know why women don't gamble more. I mean, we know women have gambling problems in the sense of going to Atlantic City or going to Vegas. They're just like guys. Of course, you don't hear about them as much, though. Isn't that interesting? And you definitely don't hear about them as couples. The closest I came to maybe being a couple who gambles would be, well, here's what it is. When I used to work at the bookmaker, uh, so I wrote a a play about working at the bookmaker, which, of course, I should just make into a movie because it's completely fascinating, especially in the 90s with no internet and the, the, the characters I met there and the danger that took place. And I wrote a play about it, and I remember I wrote a play that because this this happened where a girl came in and was with the boys and and it just ruined the whole dynamic of everything. But then, you know, the lead character starts dating that girl and they gamble together and they go down this downward spiral, as you've seen in every movie, when they <clears throat> drink or do drugs together. So this is gambling. And, you know, it's beautiful because it's never been done before. Nobody's ever seen this before. Gambling? And I can't. I don't even know if I can even watch it myself after I wrote it. <laughs> I would get depressed. I can't watch gambling movies because I'm like, this could be me in two seconds, and probably has been me. 
But in this movie, we gamble together. Me and this girl, we start dating. Makes sense. She works for the bookie's office. And we start gambling on sports together. And it's just like, I mean, what kind of fantasy is this? That, you know, like that's what I, I wrote, like a little fantasy piece, I guess. But meanwhile, remember when I, when I did start dating this bookie, or that was the head bookie's girlfriend, and she would work there sometimes, and then we actually slept together multiple times, which I can say now because the head bookie's dead. So if he didn't know, if he was alive, I would never tell you. <laughs> but she was really hot, really hot. And, um, but she didn't gamble. We were talking. She's like, please tell me you're not one of those sport degenerates ones before I have sex with you. I'm like, no, me? Are you kidding? No, I just worked there because the money's good. She goes, yeah, it is good. I'm like, yeah, yeah. What are you kidding me? I don't even know what's going on. (laughs) What are you talking? I mean, so even she was like, you know, and she works there and she's like, oh, geez, I hope you're not like those degenerates that worked. I'm like, me? No, no, no. I, uh, I only heard about the job through, you know, a different fact anyway so do you want to get dinner <laughs> hey you know guys lie for lots of other stuff that's not too bad plus she had a lot of stuff going on i think i've mentioned it before but i'm not going to mention it now and trust me if uh she's the villain in this piece so <laughs> remember that i think i told you she got stabbed by uh it was in the paper they call them the six degrees of separation slasher. Oh, it's a great story. I've told you all that before. So, but that's the thing. Where are the women that gamble on sports? There are none. So think about how huge the sports gambling industry is, and it's only dudes. Can you imagine if women started gambling on sports too? And we know they're out there. Of course, right now I'm just talking about together. There must be a couple. Maybe if you like a team, you place a bet or something. Uh, how much more money they'd make. They're only getting half of the population out there. That's another couple of billion dollars if women just started. If if for some reason women's basketball took off and women started gambling on it, oh, my God. Talk about untapped markets. Boy, that'd be interesting, huh? But so far, it's just the dudes. And like I said, anybody with the sound of my voice If you know of any women that gamble, especially couples, please contact me and let me know. I would like to hear about it. Also, let me know if you got a problem. I can't imagine you'd have a problem. But again, you know, I don't know. With the Patreon, if you're on the Calico level, obviously, you know, you get the video, but nobody's watching. So it's like, I'd rather just put it out that same week. You'll get it early still on Saturday or Sunday, usually Sunday because it takes me a long time. But, uh, I mean, I, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's better to, uh, I don't like putting it out a month later. It's bothering me. And I can see. I don't get any views. I barely get views anyway. But sometimes instead of seven views, I can get 70 views. And then it seems worthwhile to do. And if you have a good guest, you get even more views. So you'll let me know. But, again, you guys are the best. Now, you know, you know, should I just, should I say it today or... Uh... No, I'll wait. I'm going to make an announcement uh, at some point soon. Yeah, but and, and, and that'll be for the definite Patreon people. I'll have something to give away, which will be good, and it'll make up for everything. You know what I'll do is maybe I'll give everybody on the $5 level for now. I'll give you a tote bag, too. Huh? How about that? Huh? Okay, there we go. Hey, you'll get a tote bag. Would you like that? If you're at the Calico level, hey! Hey, you're okay, huh? <laughs> you get the, the tote 
Well, that's our show for today. <laughs> oh, I was excited to do it the old-fashioned way, looking out the window on a beautiful day. I really enjoy doing this uh, Saturday morning stuff. I don't know how much longer I do it. You know, if I have a show on a Saturday night, I probably wouldn't do it because it's not a special. It's for some reason just hanging around. But I don't know. Whatever. We just do it. And we keep doing it. And I can give it to you weekly, right? You know what I'm talking about, Hey. Hey. How you doing, man? It's me, the mom. Anyway, tonight, Leslie Mendelson. Oh, I forgot to tell you. Leslie Mendelson tonight. But next week, folks. Next week, Fred Stoller. If you don't know him, you'll know him. This guy's been on a million TV shows. He's, he's written Seinfeld episodes. He was on Seinfeld. He played uh, this guy that never knew who Elaine was. And she goes, what, that guy, how, how could he forget me? He goes, and then, he, you know, they, she's like begging him to go out to dinner with him because he doesn't remember him. And he's, he's so funny. And he's got that little boy. Like, yeah, so I went my mother to get the pills. And she said, babe, but it turns out the pills weren't there. So he's going to be our guest. That should be super fun. Fred Stoller's the best. I've known him for years. And so we are still keeping it coming on the uh, Comedy Cellar Nightly Show. It's terrific. We're going to have more musical guests, more comedy guests. But this week, Leslie Mendelssohn, happy April. Happy a- April 1st is coming up, right? That's going to be crazy. That's on Thursday. So this is the last show of March, and then we'll start April again. And, you know, April... Uh, Things will open up, and then we will see. Will Dave Juskow still be in a festive mood? I don't know. He's cracking up a little bit with things opening up, getting a little nervous. What the future holds for me, personally, selfishly. Dave Juskow. It's the Dave Juskow decade, like Al Franken. But anyway, I just hope everybody is enjoying the lovely weather if you're on the East Coast. And that everybody's safe and happy and hopefully getting vaccinated if that's what you want to do. Because I got to tell you, being vaccinated is pretty cool. Uh, you feel pretty good about it. So it's not a bad thing. But if you're not, if you're not into it, what are you going to do? I, I wouldn't force you to get vaccinated. You do what you want to do. I'm vaccinated, so that's, uh, that's how it works. And I guess people that wouldn't, wouldn't have to worry so much if everybody else is vaccinated. Where's that virus going? Where's it going? So, uh, where are we going to go? Where's that virus going to go? Where's it going to go? He's worried. He's worried. What's he worried about? Everything's beautiful. All right, folks. We'll see you next time on the Nightfly. I am Dave Juskow. Have a great night, everybody. Good night. I gotta get my shit together. Sales, yeah, 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 yeah,